0: Welcome, everyone, to the EOS Fireside Chat for July 19th. We got a big show today, 11 topics, 10 special guests, and let's get right to the list of these topics. First up, we've got actually a EOS rebrand announcement coming. Small update. We'll hear from Zach. Then we're going to follow it up with... The EOS Support Semi-annual Report Update with Bishop, followed by some EOS EVM updates. Of course, the incentive program still going. Motodex had an AMA and some multi-chain updates as well. Then EOS Native, we're talking leap upgrade, a vulnerability fix, as well as a survey about the network's EOS consumption. Next up, there's Mr. James Kutulus. Kutlas, an attorney with uh, the current class action currently going on against Block One in the United States. He's here with us today, gonna share some updates on what he's been working on. <laughs> then we've got ESD board updates with June. Eden Creators and Tetra updates with Rosemary and Douglas Butner. Perhaps some gray mass updates with Aaron. And then Eve is gonna is with us today as well. Talk to us about Japan. And there's a Chintai aime as well. All right. A long list of topics. Let's see how long we go for. And let's jump right into it. So, Zach, are you around for this? Kick us off with this EOS rebrand update.
1: Uh, sure. So, um, we've been going through a, a process over the last several months. We brought this up um on a fireside chat in March, April, I'm not sure how far back it was, but we kind of discussed um, the two different paths that we could potentially go, some of the complications with um, the brand confusion because we have the original Chestahedron, we've got the EOSIO Chestahedron, which is trademarked, copyrighted, you can't, You Block 1 owns it essentially, or bullish, um, and then we have the ENF logo, which oftentimes gets confused with EOS because it's like the official Twitter account that's linked to Coin Market Cap, and it has its mark. So really, what we're trying, what we've been trying to do, and we've been working with an agency to do so, is trying to kind of pull everything together and also kind of continue on the the path of what we've been calling the new EOS. So like last year, we broke away from EOSIO with the um, EOS Independence Day in Antelope um, with Leap 5.0 coming with the hard fork slash, uh, consensus upgrade um, later this year. It's a breakaway from DPoS into a variation of Hot Stuff Consensus. This is really just um, a continuation of that, of a new look, a uh, new feel for uh, the EOS network. Um, and we're still um, very much in the um, creative process, so what we're looking to do next week is present not the final product. Um, this is not a brand, like, rollout or reveal. This is really just, uh, it should be considered a sneak peek. Um, there will likely be some changes after the presentation based on the feedback that we receive. Um, we can consider it a temperature check with the community, uh, make sure we're on the right path, for example collect all of the feedback. And then after that, uh, we'll take all of the feedback, continue to iterate, and then it'll likely be another um, couple of months before the actual uh, rollout. Um, So because uh, of the visual nature of this, um, we will be doing next week's fireside chat on Zoom instead of Discord. Uh, The main reason behind that is really just One, so that we can have the non-verbal cues, I'll have my camera on, Um, everyone else, I'm assuming most people won't, but all of the presenters, uh, you'll meet some of the um, creative team that we've been working with, Uh, they'll be helping, uh, they'll have the deck ready and be presenting it, Um, and then obviously being able to share screen, so uh, that's pretty much um, the update, I hope everyone uh, likes the direction we're going, we've been Uh, Like I said, working with this team for the last several months, uh, getting them to understand EOS. Um, What we'll be presenting is just some of the visuals. Um, It's not the full package. It doesn't include the messaging frameworks. It doesn't include a a lot of what you will eventually see uh, in a couple of months. So just want to make sure everyone's expectations aren't that EOS is rebranding next week. Uh, That's not going to be the case. Um, As a matter of fact, Uh, the timing of when um, an actual rebrand may happen will likely um, be based on other factors, based on other releases happening at the time, based on market sentiment. And really, there's no rush um, to do the formal rollout, and we want to make sure we're doing it properly anyway. And as far as doing it properly, um, getting community feedback is a big part of that. So anyone who feels strongly about creative... Uh, wants to give their inputs. I highly encourage you to uh, join the fireside chat next week. And if anyone has any questions, I'm happy to answer them, but hopefully I covered all the ground there.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Zach, for that. I'm gonna share the Zoom link in the chat right now for those of you who want to bookmark it right away. Um, that's going to be the, the link to join the fireside chat next week. So it's not going to be on discord, it's going to be on zoom. So hopefully a lot of you can join us out there as well. If you want to have your camera on, of course you can do that on zoom or not, not a problem. Um, like Zach said, it's probably going to be mostly audio for most of the show. I'll try to have my camera on for most of the time as the host. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, hopefully you guys can join us on Zoom next week. It's still gonna be streamed on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube or on Twitter as well. so you can always still watch it from those uh, on, on those platforms if that's what you usually do. Any questions? Anyone plan on showing up? (coughs) Alright, right, already got some feedback. Drew says he's going to be there. Good to hear. All right, well, we'll definitely talk more uh, next week. So we can move on for now. Bishop, are you ready to talk to us about a bunch of EOS support updates?
2: Absolutely.
0: All right, it's been a while since uh, we've had you on the fireside. Welcome back. And uh, yeah, let us know what you've been working on.
2: It's a pleasure to be back. We'll soon be releasing our Semi-annual report for your support twice a year. That's our biggest report on everything that we've done. I'm posting right now in the chat, uh, the monthly report for June that you can already see, of course, every month we have a monthly report with everything that we do, every statistic that we have on your support, how we help the community through ticketing, through the social medias Uh, and actually, yeah, on social medias through all our accounts. And we have, for example, on Twitter, nine different accounts for nine different languages. On uh, total, we have passed uh, 150,000 followers in total, which is a record in the EOS community. So we are very proud of that. We have managed to build the follower account on each Twitter account for your support. And uh, through each of these accounts, we have the information that we have translated about the tutorials, about the EOS news. All of that is available in nine different languages for everyone around the world. And uh, we take great pride in that. Everything that we do at your support is not only for the English community, but for everyone that speaks one of those nine languages, French, Spanish, Russian, Chinese, Korean, and more around the world. So yeah, you can check out the uh, reports. And uh, yeah, I'll do a quick summary of uh, what you can find in them and what will be our biggest milestones. So I'm very glad to speak about uh, our affiliated projects. That's been... A question going on through the community: We've seen, what is about being an affiliated project with your support? So projects that are accepted into the EOS Respect Community, and that's our ambassadorships program, at your support. We participate in monthly elections. We choose which are the projects best deserving or receiving funding and more. And so, what are the other benefits besides receiving funding than being an affiliated project for your support? So we usually help the projects with 24/7 essential human support. We already have a direct chat on our website and we put that to use to all the other projects that want to implement that also into the website. So their users directly have a line of communication with our professional team that is ready to help them. So anyone can add that widget as soon as they become affiliated with us. And once they're affiliated and they participate in use respect, So it automatically gives them a higher reputation. So delegates, which are elected in EOS Respect, which are project owners from EOS, well, they have access to all the other project owners that participate in the community and they can receive information about any of these projects at any time. So accountability is therefore guaranteed. We check on each other. So as soon as a a project is a member of EOS Respect, they gain that accountability to the community and well after that of course your support well takes on the job of highlighting that project so we market for them we highlight them in our reports for use audit and they have a higher chance of being well in our news feeds etc so it's a win-win for everyone and of course well uh, we market them on our social media so across nine different languages so, your support recommends and vouch for accountable projects to join your suspect. And well, after that, most project owners' representatives also show some love to each other and by donating funds directly to them or through Pomelo. And since these funds are not much, it's uh, symbolic donations to let the other project members know that their work is still being appreciated by the other project owners in your suspect. And well, on top of that, uh, well, there's, uh, there we get recognition again through our news articles, blog posts, and more. And for that, we can take an example. So Genki, uh, we've uh, highlighted recently in our, in our Twitter. So Genki is an independent publication website that launched in March, 2022, and they've been affiliated with us since November. So, so far, they've participated as an affiliated member of your support in your suspect and they've received 14 different donations in total from your suspect. And uh, well, the projects which ran to donate their funds to Genki, donated these funds through Pomelo to give them even more matching funds in the end. And on top of the donations, we also help these projects to receive feedback from us. We helped them uh, get, uh, we got tickets on our website, your support, The our users that went to Genki, had some questions. Uh, felt that something was off about the website maybe so for Genki, we pushed them to update their landing page Make things clearer with the wording and the articles and more so In the end, it's a symbiotic relationship between the Affiliate Projects and your support the Affiliate Projects uh, go to your support for Added visibility added accountability towards the community to also receive funding through his respect and in the end It's a win-win for everyone so, again, if anyone asks why you want to be an affiliated project with your Support, we can do much together, really, really much. So, don't hesitate in reaching out to us through contact at EOSSupport.io and we'll find the best ways to synergize together. That's for sure. And again, yeah, we have also EOS Audit that makes monthly reports about the top projects in EOS. Uh, you have a higher chance of being selected for a uh, review if you are part of your respect and affiliated with your support. And also in the report, it is highlighted which projects have been affiliated with us or not. So if you are, it shows to the community. You have that added accountability. You have higher chances of receiving funding from the community through Pomelo. You've made yourself transparent to the community as public good. And there's nothing more important than that. In a Web3 decentralized community like ours. And that was it regarding the affiliated projects. So, again, if you have any questions about how to join as an affiliated project, is respect, EOS support. Again, we have a website with 24 7 free live support. You can ask any question you have about the EOS network there. And again, it's in nine different languages. We don't repeat that often enough. But if you speak Spanish, French, or one of the nine languages. You can have access to many of our translated articles also. And you have live agents in your own language ready to help you. So don't hesitate. And that was just the bit of news that I had on the uh, affiliated projects of your support. And to get to the real alpha <laughs> for everyone here, your support for months now, we've been working on a new website. And so I wanted to give you an update on where it is, And to showcase that we are working hard at EOS Support to go even further to support this EOS community in every way we can. So, again, Web3 is about ownership, self custody of our assets, and we've always strived to be a stepping stone for the users just for that. And so, for Montslab, we've developed a website that is soon to be released. And we are building a platform where anyone no matter the, if they're a veteran member of the community, or they're an absolute newbie to EOS, they'll have a place, a platform, brand new, to easily join and contribute to the EOS community. And so on our website, anyone will be able to create their account. Everyone will have their own dashboard. Our nine different languages will have different community hubs where they have a new place where they can share news, information, and discuss among them. That's made so they don't have to build their own website in their own language for the use community. Use support has done that for them in the new website. And after that, we have a new authentication system on the blockchain. So with port that many of you know already, I'm sure. So for this new website and well, we have this new authentication system. We have put also much effort into building an API that will send your support IO information from our database uh, to the blockchain and hash it to the blockchain directly. Other projects will also be able to reach out to us and implement the authentication system for them as well and be able to use the API to pull information from us, from our news center where we have daily, almost articles there, translated to different languages. We have the e-commerce section that is going to open on our website. So maybe for the first time ever, the users on EOS will have a reliable way to purchase EOS merchandise not only in PayPal uh, easily but also in EOS and well the website redesign has been a long time coming and a lot of code smart contracts have been written for it Um, we have a new decentralized ticketing system also uh, with a new permission system that's made so it's even easier for people to join our organization and be allowed to participate in the ticketing if they have knowledge about eos all of that is made so everyone can bring value more easily to organization that's what counts and we have also well a new contest and bounty system and this is the interesting part uh, we'll have a way for with it to be able to create contests like create a new course or a video tutorial and we we'll let our users vote on the best one and then use it to complement the EOS documentation, marketing strategies that we are already have in place, all the while rewarding that person for creating that specific uh, course or tutorial. So more so than with EOS Respect and Program in the past, a new website is going to let anyone that wants to be a part of the EOS network and bring value or to do it more easily. So, additional features, well, we have a DApp collection where we'll, we'll be able to rate and vote for the DApps, link them to their EOS audit report for more added transparency to make it easier for people to learn about the project. All of that is coming together through the website. And we also have a, an interactive roadmap coming also. It's going to be much more easier for the users to see where EOS is heading, what we have in store. And that's a lot. So. We needed a way to make that clear for everyone, also. So, I feel like I'm going on a bit of a rant here. (laughs) But hey, if it interests you, I'm very happy to give you more information about everything that we are building. Again, we've been building that for months and we couldn't be happier for everything that we have achieved. It's going to be available real soon to everyone in the community. Uh, We wanted to showcase that, hey, we're here. Uh, We've been building uh, the EOS platform and organization for months since we began. And we've always strived to do even more through EOS audit uh, for more transparency to the community through EOS synergy. Now that we have four different shows in four different languages that promote EOS around the world, and we have a decentralized community for it and even more. So again, don't remember to check out our Twitter accounts, our social medias, check out our reports. If you're interested in our project owner really you are much to benefit to join your support as an affiliated project and we'll welcome you so be sure to reach out to us on our website for that so if anyone has any questions on any of what I just said I'm very happy to answer any question you may have and always you have we are free to reach out to us on our website at any time ever
0: all right Bishop that was great uh... Pretty pretty big update, if, uh, if I do say so. The the new website rollout sounds like a pretty big project that you guys have been working on for a while. So that's pretty exciting uh, to hear that that's coming, that's going live soon.
3: <laughs> soon.
0: <laughs> yeah. But and thanks for coming on to give us that update. Um, we definitely appreciate it.
2: If anyone wants more information, it's going to be summarized in our semi-annual report. And, uh, well, check out our news center. Even more articles about EOS made simpler, simpler for everyone to discover the news. And check out Genki. Check out all our fitted projects. They're amazing. And we have vouched for them. And they have truly shown transparency to the community. So you can go to each season to our collection, Youth Respect on Pomelo, and all our affiliated projects are on there. And if you have any doubt on who to trust and who to vote for and who to donate use to, you can refer to a use Audit and to these collections on Pomelo for that. So give some love to them as well.
0: Absolutely, and talking about these Pomelo projects, we're actually hoping to invite some of these projects onto the Fireside during the off-season of Pomelo and to get more updates from these Pomelo projects. So uh, love that you guys have been working very hard on, that, on the
2: Pomelo audits. I think that's a great service to the community. And to answer Andrew on the Fireside chat, uh, yes, Audios Audit will be uh, releasing more uh, top Pomelo grants uh, review again. Yeah, definitely. It's it's where it's been created, and it's it's going to be there for a while. Making sure that every project is transparent about how they're developing after receiving funding through Pomalu each season.
0: All right, thanks a lot, Bishop. Uh, If anyone has questions for Bishop, we can take a few moments. Uh, If not, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll hear from Bishop again in the near future. You're goddamn right. All right. Thanks again, Bishop. Thanks, Stefan. All right. Moving on to our next topic, we're going to cover our weekly EOS EVM updates. I want to remind everyone out there that the EOS EVM incentive program is still live. If you deploy your application to the EOS network, you apply for this program, you may qualify for up to $50,000 in incentives. So that's great. Motodex, one of these apps that has recently deployed on the network, recently held a AMA Inside the EOS Network Foundation Telegram group, which is nice because it makes the information very easy to find. Um, so I'll link that message in the chat here. Um, basically, we learned some more things about Decks, about their team members, their roles, the types of categories and gameplay in Decks. Of course, Motodex is a play to earn. So they talked about how the users play, what they do to earn. And a couple of questions from the crowd so check out check that out if you want to learn more about Motodex on top of that this week there was also another announcement about this application called open by C which is the developer of the Motodex uh, game so that's something I learned this week share the tweet here in the chat Basically, the ENF tweeted out saying that the ENF is excited to announce that Open by C has deployed on the EOS EVM, extending the capabilities of NFTs on the network. The integration brings both a multi-chain NFT marketplace and the Moto Dex GameFi project to the ecosystem. Learn more by going to openbyc.io. So very cool update. Uh, Cool to see more infrastructure being deployed on the eos evm in this case nft marketplace and some more GameFi projects launching on that platform so that's always good to see all right what else do we have here on the eos evm unfortunately there's more news with the multi-chain saga Zach, if you're still around, maybe you want to give a quick update on what's going on with multi-chain.
1: And if Zach is the, not... The, do you have the link to the update to tweet?
0: All right. Yes. Give me a second.
1: I mean, it reads really like a bad movie.
0: Yeah, not the greatest update, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the update is essentially that um, the the key holders of a lot of the MPC nodes and infrastructure um, was not nearly as decentralized as the team kind of has led on throughout this process. Um, The tweet really tells the full story better than I could, but essentially um, the the ceo of the project who had all of the private keys and access to all of the servers he was uh, let, arrested uh, may i don't have the date in front of me um, and then so we, we we that's that time frame in may is i think when the first issues kind of started with um, the multi chain bridge which was the first bridge uh, to to deploy to eos so or eos EVM. And around that time that uh, they mentioned that the CEO was arrested is the exact same time frame. It was the cause of um, the suspension of services. If you guys recall, the multi-chain bridge was not working for about a month shortly after the EOCVM launch. So it's kind of unfortunate timing. Um, but one of the good things that happened uh, because of that was um, a lot of capital, kind of got off the bridge after that hiccup. Um, So basically with that update, they mentioned um, that they shut down the rest of their infrastructure out of a precaution. Just no one really knows what the future is. Um, We're kind of in the same boat. Um, There is some communication still between ex-team members. Um, We're waiting to see kind of what next steps are. There's over a billion dollars of TBL um, locked up on their bridge. Uh, right now, so everyone's kind of in the same boat as trying to figure out what the next steps are, um, how long it may take uh, to resolve the issue, if the issue will get resolved at all. Um, So we're very much in that same boat. Um, As far as how we move forward, um, we've been uh, since, like, before the EVM even launched, the goal has always been to have multiple bridges, so that no one bridge serves as a single point of failure, um, because over the last couple of two years, especially. um, A lot of the bridges have uh, faced issues. So, uh, Nerve Network, um, their smaller bridge, uh, they just announced uh, publicly in a tweet, I believe it was last week, that they'll be deploying to EOCVM. That bridge should be coming online uh, by the end of the month, hopefully. Um, There's two other bridges uh, that should be coming online over the next couple of weeks. One of them, is very close. Uh, The other one's a little bit further away. Um, So there should be, in the very near future, multiple bridges. And then on top of that, um, one of the highest priorities right now for um, the NF engineering team uh, working on the EOS EVM is adding um, altcoin bridging to the trustless bridge uh, between EOS EVM and native EOS. So um, that's coming too as far as that. All of these things were underway kind of before the multi-chain issue happened. Um, but that'll bring native EOS USDT to the EOS EVM. That has been one of the biggest bottlenecks um, since launch of the EOS EVM was that EOS was the only token that could um, use the trustless bridge, which is the only official bridge of the EOS EVM. That's the one that we built in support. Um, So once we're able to bring native USDT to uh, EOCVM, that one will obviously be the most secure uh, asset, uh, stablecoin on EOCVM. Um, And likely people will have a lot more trust in that than any of the independent third party bridges. And it kind of coincides with um, the Yield Plus integration, which um, I believe, is very near complete, or maybe it is complete, and we just haven't rolled out uh, the announcement yet. But uh, with um, EOCVM 0.5, which was the recent release a couple of weeks ago, uh, part of the functionality that it included was extending, um, essentially creating a way for um, EOS native to read data on the EOCVM to maintain the balance tables um, for yield plus um, Yield subsidies and, and uh, reward distributions to the DeFi protocols. So, once the um, the trustless bridge is put in place, um, the two main assets will be the uh, that are supported with the um, Yield Plus program will be uh, the native EOS version of USDT and EOS. Kind of went a few different directions there, but essentially, right now. Uh, The multi-chain bridge is suspended. Um, It could be indefinitely. Uh, I hope that's not the case, but right now, it is very sparse on details. Um, We're both watching all of the other foundations and how they're reacting. So, for example, Phantom, uh, uh, the Phantom Network, uh, they had hundreds of millions of dollars on that bridge. uh, And that's all kind of up in the air right now for them. Uh, for the EOS EVM, uh, there was roughly um, about 400k of TVL. And out of that 400k, um, 150k of it, over 33% of it uh, does belong to the ENF. So we were providing stablecoin uh, USDT liquidity uh, for cross-chain routing uh, with MisanFi, which leveraged the multi-chain bridge. Um, So we're very much in the same boat as everyone else, where we're Waiting for an update uh, from multi-chain or yeah for, uh, on the multi-chain founders uh, as far as like what next steps might be. So um, I highly suggest everyone I guess read that tweet. Uh, it tells the whole story of the timeline of events. It's pretty messed up. It's uh, not good for the industry. Uh, this uh, ideally will get resolved, um, but at this point, it's very much a big question mark.
0: Thanks for that update, Zach. The tweet I found was from July 7th. Is there another one more recent?
1: There should be, unless they took it down. From uh, Multichain. Yeah, it it was five days ago. It's the top one on their Twitter. All right.
0: There we go. So I'll just share the Twitter. There we go. Thanks, Liam. Yeah, that sucks for sure. If you have money tied up, uh, definitely, hopefully it gets resolved soon enough without too many losses for too many holders. Next up, we're talking about EOS Native. Uh, actually, there was a vulnerability fix a couple weeks ago. And I'd like to invite Matt from the ENF uh, to talk, to walk us through a bit what happened and the actions that the network took in response.
4: Hey. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh... A couple weeks ago there was a security release uh this is probably the first one for a good while for uh for uh bleep and and Nidios. uh the, the the rollout of this release went uh great i actually hope there's somebody else uh, on the call who was uh involved with that closer than, than i was that can they can chime in a little bit more on that aspect uh because uh you know the, the amount of time from when we First disclosed the the fix uh, like in a limited manner to block producers and, and others, and and then that we had all the producers or almost all the producers upgrade, and then we had the public release. I mean that amount of time was uh, very small, like only a on order of thing. Uh, it was really just a fantastic cooperation from the community and and block producers to get this rolled out in a in a in a broad manner to protect the chain from what amounted to a a denial of service attack uh, potentially. And uh, yeah, what what stemmed this was that internally ENF developers discovered uh, really two defects um, with regard to how Leap and really NodeEOS, I guess, uh, handled contracts, handled EOS native smart contracts. And uh, it, it really had to do with how resources were utilized when when some EOS account would would set a contract on their account, and I don't really mean this like like when we talk about like RAM or CPU resources, like those sort of on chain resources, but really this is like like the the physical RAM that uh, NodeOS would consume when when a when an account has a contract assigned to it, and uh, some of those uh, some some of this resource utilization was really it wasn't. Uh, a little out of whack so to speak and it, because of that it could lead to a denial of service where uh like nodios could be potentially crashed or just consume resources that were not in alignment with what uh like a user would have been paying for for their on-chain contract and uh yeah we we fixed this by really being more stingy with resources uh would be the simple way of putting it um but we we definitely protected against this uh, Denial of Service attack avenue that we discovered internally through this uh, through the security release. Any, any more questions or? Um...
0: Yeah, well, thanks thanks for the update. Give it a, give it a moment or two if people uh, want to jump in here ask uh, ask Matt a question. And then maybe we'll uh, throw it over to uh, Nathan James afterwards to talk a bit about another uh, uh, a upcoming Twitter Spaces.
5: Hi, Stefan. I've just got one question. I didn't catch the, the amount of money uh, that we're talking about, the number of EOs that we're talking about. It's stuck for value.
4: Oh, um, yeah. So... I mean, for this particular uh, security defect, funds were never at risk in any manner. This was really a, a denial of service attack against uh, against no use in the sense that somebody with somebody like an attacker who has uh, an attacker could could spend. Um, uh, could spend a certain amount of funds that were not as high as maybe you would expect to uh, consume a lot of resources on uh, Nodios. And that could cause Nodios to fail or simply consume a lot more resources than what somebody would expect when they typically run Nodios. So uh, yeah, it's strictly a, was a denial of service attack. Um, It was never a case where funds could be stolen or, or anything of that nature.
5: So I guess my a better question that I could ask is how much is stuck on the bridge?
4: All right,
0: So that that's that's the previous topic. That's not yeah. related. That's on the EOS EVM side and the multi-chain organization. Here we're talking on the EOS native side, a bug fix to the underlying
1: blockchain protocol.
5: Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. If I understood you answer your
1: correctly? question, it, it's it's a little over four hundred k. So it's relatively, I mean, it's definitely um, like six figures of capital, but it's one of the lower, out of the 115 or the 95, 93 chains um, supported by multi-chain, we're really on the low end. And part of that is because um, the EOC VM had just launched and like three weeks after launch, the bridge services were suspended for a month. Um, so. It never really had the chance to pick up adoption. Um, the chains and the protocols that are kind of in a much worse position are the ones that have relied on multi chain as like, their go to bridge uh, for, for years. So, Phantom being a prime example of that, Phantom has over $200 million of stable coins alone uh, in TVL uh, using that bridge on top of um, multiple altcoins and derivatives of altcoins and things like that. Um, But what Matt was discussing, as Steph said, completely different issue. Um, To add to what Matt said, um, from the time that the block producers um, were made aware of this uh, hot fix, um, everything was kind of handled in private because obviously there was um, an exploitable... um, issue at hand so it was kind of done in private um, and everyone updated their infrastructure with the new software within 48 hours of um, starting to work with them and communicating to them what the issue was at hand so props to all of the block producers um, from a communication standpoint um, we waited until all top 21 nodes were verified uh, to be updated before making the public announcement Um, on top of that, it was a really um, informative exercise of how the network would handle a potential um, exploit like this. Like like Matt said, there's no finances at stake, but what it, it could have still had nodes going down, which would have caused a disruption of services, which would not look good for the network, and it would not look good for our um, the feather in our hat that we have for the five years of reliability. Maintaining that reliability is of the utmost importance to not just the ENF, but the entire EOS network, all of the block producers, every DAP developer. Uh, Maintaining that reliability factor is of the utmost importance. So getting this bug, or not even a bug, I I don't know what we even call it, Um, this potential exploit fixed um, was of the utmost importance and the block producers executed. Um, the other thing that was interesting and informative about this exercise is we it was the first time that we were in a position where um, everything had to be kind of kept quiet until the upgrade happened, but we also wanted to share information with other uh, blockchains running uh, the Antelope stack. So in the group uh, that had the EOS block producers in it, um, a lot of the block producers also produce blocks for other Antelope networks, so that made it easy. As far as if they're going to upgrade their node infrastructure for EOS, they would obviously upgrade um, their node infrastructure also for um, Wax, Telos, UX Network, or any of the non coalition chains. So um, I don't know the status. We were not tracking and are not tracking uh, whether or not the other Antelope chains have updated, um, but it was kind of uh, a positive exercise of going through this process and being able to uh, do it efficiently. Um, It also kind of showcases um, one of the dangers of not running uh, the Antelope stack. So there are some chains that, for example, are still running EOSIO. um, And for those chains, they they may, uh, I believe, uh, still be open to this exploit because, uh, it was only made backwards compatible back to a certain version number. So the patch was added to, Matt would probably know better than I do, but maybe like the last four or five releases. And it didn't go back further than that because we, we can't support every piece of software at this point. All of the coalition chains have all updated. Uh, EOS is updated. And obviously, we uh, engineer the stack uh, for the EOS network and for the Enslope coalition.
4: So those uh, chains obviously are of the highest priority. Yeah, we I mean, we did do the upgrade. We did provide upgrades for uh, or updated software for 3.2, and 4.0, and uh, which is, I mean, three one is, uh, I mean, you know, that's well over a year old at this point. So uh, yeah, we we did try to provide updates for uh, you know uh, a fair number of recent versions uh, to really help ease this. Uh, This upgrade for users.
6: Uh, I have a quick question. This is Drew. Um, I don't know if Stefan is muted and trying to talk, but. um, I was
0: just about to put the music on, Drew, but you go for it if you got a question. (laughs) Uh,
6: Yeah, so I've experienced. Uh, random transactions taking like way more resources than the same transaction did the uh, previous time I did it. Is this potentially related to the fix uh, for these
4: uh, sort of transactions that consume too many resources? I, I wouldn't expect it to be related. I mean uh, it's hard it's hard to see how they'd be related. So uh sounds like maybe a different issue that would be interesting to troubleshoot, um but probably not related to this.
6: Okay. Wasn't it
4: mostly a RAM issue? Yeah, so, and this issue is not really even transaction based, uh, at least per se. It's really about a contract being set on an account and how many contracts there are. Uh, so it's not, yeah, it's not really even anything transaction based uh, besides the fact that, you know, you have to use a transaction to set a contract, so.
1: The way I kind of explained it to myself, is it was almost as if, let's say you deploy a contract and these numbers are just made up to simplify. Imagine if the network charges me for one kilobyte of RAM to deploy the contract to the EOS network. But in the background, it actually is using like two or three kilobytes of RAM even though it only charged me for one. If only, if, if one person did it one time, it wouldn't really cause a problem. There'd be a tiny deficit, but the exploit and Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but the exploit would have been if someone took that subsidy and deployed, I don't know if it'd be tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of very small contracts, which would essentially have a subsidized amount of RAM that wasn't being accounted for, and they could essentially just waste all of the network's RAM to brick the node.
4: Yeah, I think that's a perfect explanation of, of one of the two uh, defects. Uh, the only, the only, the only part I would, I would, uh, I would point out is a little bit different. Is that like in your example, uh, you know, you're you're kind of talking about like a double or a triple overhead, but in reality, it could be a lot worse, which is why this becomes more of a of a of a pressing security issue that needs to be fixed. Uh, but you yeah, it, it's spot on in the sense that, uh, you know, when, when when a contract is deployed to an account, we we actually build RAM already at, a, at an increased rate for that contract. You know, for, for those who have been using ES for a while, you, you you may have seen that, you know, we build RAM at a 10x multiplier for a contract, right? So if, you're, if your WebAssembly contract is one kilobyte, you know, you get billed 10 kilobytes of RAM resource to deploy it. Uh, but exactly as, as Zach put it, uh, the problem here was that, yeah, the, the node may end up using more than 10 kilobytes of physical RAM. And uh, it, yeah, it, exactly what Zach says.
7: Huh. That's interesting and enlightening. Thank you.
0: All right. Thanks for sharing, guys. Next up, just want to... Give a sneak, uh, quick preview about a Twitter spaces happening tomorrow morning on AIGC driven security and privacy. Nathan's going to be on there. Uh, Nathan, if you're around, if you want to give us a quick uh, explanation on what, what this topic's all about.
8: Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Cool. Um, so, there's, this is a space with three other entities uh, Mars Search, Pop App, and Atom Network. I just posted them here in the in the chat as well. Basically, this is about something called AIGC. AIGC is uh, gen- AI-generated content, uh, meaning content that's generated using things like chat GPT or mid-journey, so imagery is also uh, content. Um, but that doesn't have to be large-form content, so even a small 20-character piece of text is still considered AI-generated content if, of course, an AI-generated um, so we're going to be talking about the implications of AI-generated content on security and privacy, how it can be used to enhance security of Web3 applications, what the the impact of security on Web3 applications is due to it, and uh, how we can prevent vulnerabilities in smart contracts, as well as other challenges at the cross-section between G C and Web3. I could list off all the questions, but I'd like for people to actually show up and hear the questions there. I think that would be a, a better outcome.
0: No, for sure thanks for uh explaining it quickly here and um sharing with us a bit what this space is all about all right ne- next up uh i'd like to invite eve onto the stage if eve is uh available right now I'd like to hear about his upcoming trip to japan and the hashtag opoe that i've seen around
9: a little bit eve welcome to the fireside Welcome. Those are two completely separate topics. Uh, but let's let's try to combine them. Uh, so I am heading to Japan. Um, next week, I'm speaking at the WebEx conference next. Uh, I believe it's going to be the Wednesday, it's the 26th, uh, Which for a lot of the people on this call right now, if you're in uh, North America, then it would be the 25th at night for you sometime or in the middle of the night. Uh, so I'm speaking there. Uh, the panel uh, sorry, it's not a panel. It's it's a fireside, and the um, the topics already been uh, uh, chosen, um, and so we'll be going there, meeting with others uh, within the space. Obviously, I've got a bunch of business meetings uh, lined up. Japan is a is an interesting jurisdiction for us. Uh, Yas is not listed in Japan. Uh, the way that the Japanese government um, very early on. Uh, took a, an approach to regulations uh, on crypto. There were there were one of the first ones. So even in 2017, during the ICO rush, Japan already had regulations on crypto, um, and it made it very tight for people to be able to to deploy or to have their tokens listed in Japan. Uh, and so it's a it's a jurisdiction with very very few listings, extremely tight regulations around crypto. Uh, In a way, very forward-looking. They were one of the first ones. But at the same time, since 2017, they've lagged quite a bit. And with the surge in, um, uh, I guess, in in regulatory approaches around the world, in particular Hong Kong um, as, as one of the main ones, but Dubai as well, Japan retook an interest in crypto from a regulatory perspective late last year. Um, and so for us, it's, it's a really interesting market because it's a market that YAS is not in currently. We did have roots there very early on in the beginning. There are a few block producers that were based out of Japan early on. Uh, uh, there's one that's still based out of Japan now. So YAS uh, Mao is still based out of, J- out of Japan. Um, and so yeah, going to go meet some people there, uh, do some business development. Obviously there's a lot of, uh, in Japan, a lot of gaming IP. So everybody obviously knows that, you know, the, the large consoles, the Sonys, the Nintendos, a lot of that IP is located in Japan. So unlocking some of that, uh, trying to see if we can open doors on that front. And then just generally um, you know, preparing for, again, the, the the circuit that's about to happen after uh, Japan. We enter the fall uh, where uh, you, you get the Korea Blockchain Week and token 2049 uh, back to back. Um, and so people are kind of, at this point in that that phase, already culminating to those larger events at the end of the year, um, so it should be really interesting. Should be really good. I haven't gone back in a while um, in in formal, I guess, uh, capacity. I haven't been in in quite some time, so it'll be interesting to see where the market's at. I was unable to make the June Kyoto event. We we canceled um, uh, before uh, the the event uh, occurred, and so I was going to be there for two events back to back. Cancel that first one. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what it's like right now. The Prime Minister is delivering, um, uh, I think the Prime Minister is delivering the the opening uh, words uh, for that event. So again, kind of this idea that Japan is in a very unique position from a jurisdiction or regulatory point of view, um, and seeing how we can position EOS uh, well in that market. So it should be a pretty interesting event. Our main marketing partners, uh, market Across slash Inbound Junction. There are some of the media leads there too. So we should be able to get some interesting tidbits out of that. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I don't know if you had anything else in particular, Steph, for Japan.
0: Uh, the one thing I had noted down was the title of uh, an upcoming panel talk that or, or upcoming talk that
9: you're doing. So the one in Japan?
0: I'm not sure if that was the one in Japan or not. Uh, or if that's so the
9: fireside that I'm, I'm doing, or I guess the speech, uh, it's, it's a 20-minute um, uh, fireside. So it'll be me and a moderator. I uh, just found out this morning that the moderator will be different, uh, somewhat irrelevant. But the topic, which I don't know if that moderator had chosen or not, um, but it is not just theater, how EOS got rid of block one. Uh, so that's the name of the topic. Uh, that's what uh, that that's what they've requested. That's what they've given us as a as a topic to talk about. So I don't know if that's what you're thinking of. Yeah, that's what I was thinking
0: of. Um, I kind of yeah, I, I I liked this title when I heard it for the first time. You know, implying implying about the decentralized theater that we see in crypto oftentimes. Um, mm. So I think that's going to be a good topic for
9: you to talk to frame the the story of EOS within. Yeah, so if not, um, typically before uh, panels or anything like that, we, we typically have a, you know kind of an email thread back and forth with the other panelists or in this case with the with the moderator to see where the moderator's thinking of taking that or if they've got any particular questions or anything like that. I've not gotten that yet, um, and so if there's anything, uh, you know, it, it, right now it's basically a surprise. I have no idea uh, what they what they're going to ask, where they're going to go. It really is we follow their lead. Um, and basically introduce EOS to a, a, a whole, I guess, new group of people that really don't know very much about uh, about EOS in a, in a jurisdiction where EOS is not even available for people to purchase. The great thing about Japan though is that if ever you do get a listing in Japan, the system is extremely, uh, maybe robust is not the right word, but... Um, Let's say concretely, you can go to the convenience store and you can buy things using crypto right now in Japan. You could, if you wanted, as an individual, take your pay in crypto right now because they do uh, consider that as a form of payment. For example, that's very different than other jurisdictions. So Japan is typically very slow to onboard things and they're very tight with their regulations. But once you're in, you're formally in. Um, and I don't know, Zach, if you have the the number, but I think there's there's only twenty eight or so tokens that are formally listed in, in in Japan that people can actually purchase and or trade. So the number is extremely low. Um, and so yeah, trying to make some grounds there, and trying to get EOS uh, opening or trying to get Japan uh, to open up to to EOS is part of the the main goal of this.
0: I had a, I had a buddy actually telling me just this morning how he was in Japan last month at a crypto conference, two of them actually, and he said it was booming out there. So sounds exciting for you
9: to go out there. And I think the other thing you would asked for was the uh, OPOE yeah. or the only so, possible on EOS.
0: Totally unrelated a, topic, um, but I just wanted to,
9: to ma- make sure to get your thoughts on it uh, while we had you here on stage. Yeah, it's just a little tagline. I think it's pretty cool. I originally really liked as well, the idea of the new EOS. And so that latest tagline is is OPOE. Of course, people are going to say it's possible on other chains. Yes, it is. That's not the point. You're missing the point. You're not the person we're talking to. Um, this just concept in general of branding EOS as very high performant, being reliable, being secure, etc. And it's just a very small brand tagline um, that people can use, right? Hashtag OPOE doesn't take many characters um, and it just highlights this idea of uh, it's it, you know come to EOS, you can do that on EOS, it's possible on EOS type of thing.
0: Right, so I'm not sure if we said it OPOP stands for only possible on EOS, in case people had missed it earlier there. Um, very cool, I like it. All right, uh, anything else you wanted to share with us today, Eve? Um, if not, then uh, if,
1: can... uh so I don't know the exact number, it, it's really hard to know how many tokens are listed in Japan because there's no official list I can find in English, um, but it is, it's under 20, so every every uh, they, they have like a regulatory framework in the strict uh, process. so It is a very limited set. Um, the other piece to add is that we just got confirmation yesterday, I think, that um, even though the, the talks will not be live streamed, uh, they will be published to the CoinPost um, YouTube after the fact. So usually the turnaround on those for conferences is usually a week or two. Um, so everyone could expect to kind of see, the, see replay the replay afterwards, afterwards, which we'll be sharing right through all of our official channels. And um, CoinPost, they're like the largest um, crypto news publish- publication uh, for the Japanese market. So that's who um, I'm not sure if the new moderator is also with CoinPost, but CoinPost is um, the organizers of like the main organizers of the event. And the other big milestone, although it's personal and not work-related, is that uh, I don't think this has been public, but um, Eve's been a bachelor for the last two months working day and night on EOS. Um, uh, His wife is from Japan, so she has been spending uh, the summer there with with his kid. And I I was with Eve last week in Ottawa um, and did not meet his family. I did visit his lovely home. But yeah, when he goes to Japan, uh, it'll be the first time that he's seeing his uh, wife and child in several months, because uh, just being around him last week and seeing how he works, we maintained all of our usual uh, calls and cadences. It's like the day never ends. Um, It starts very early in the morning and goes very late at night, because essentially uh, after dinner time, it's basically Asia waking up and more calls, more calls. More calls, so I'm looking forward to Eve getting able, being able to see his family, but that's I, I believe after the conference.
0: Well, if we're sharing personal things about Eve, um, want to give a shout out to Eve for getting in shape lately. Um, I called him out a year and a half ago or something. I felt one of the pictures. Kind of had the stomach showing. There's no more stomach showing from the latest picture that I saw. And so uh, yeah, good job on Eve, getting in tip top shape and representing the Eos network to the to the best of your ability. <laughs> Round of applause for that. All right, moving on to our next topic. At this point, I'd like to invite James Kutoulos, the uh, an attorney, one of the lead attorneys for a class action lawsuit that is currently ongoing against Block One. This one is different than the one that the ENF has been talking about recently and is helping organize. So I'm just going to leave it there and uh, invite James to come talk to us about what he's been working on.
10: Thank you. And um, I got scared for a second there. I thought it was over when the uh, kind of applause came. But uh, um, yeah, thanks for having me. We've been working on this class action a couple years now. Um, It's in Southern District of New York and limited to U.S. purchasers of either the ERC 20 um, or EOS uh, from about mid-2017 through um, mid 2020. Um, the case uh, has been settled now a second time. Uh, we originally had a settlement for $27 million, which included a global release of claims, so beyond the U.S., which was something that Block 1 um, had put in the settlement docs. Uh, the judge rejected that global release um, and had stricter limitations to the language in the settlement, so he chopped off um, like 5 million on the settlement. So currently right now we have a, a pool of 22 million where people could file claims at block1-settlement.com. Um, that website has an online claim form. It has like a PDF claim form where you could print that out and um, you know look at what information you need before you start the, the web version. It, it also goes into what exact... Um, Transactions qualify for this, um, you know, compared to a lot of the other, uh, you know, crypto class actions. Uh, the settlement's actually pretty strong. Uh, Reuters called it a, a template for. Crypto.
0: Oh, you cut out there, James.
10: Um, yeah, sorry. Someone called me on a non-voip line. Um, but, yeah, as it stands now, um, a couple of the big U.S. victims have told us they aren't going to even bother to file claims. Um, you know, so we anticipate uh, the percentage recovery of anybody who does file and um, their claim is approved, just fitting the criteria for the transactions. Uh, we do expect them to get a pretty high um, recovery. Um, you know, the exact amount we won't know until August 30th, um, which is the claims deadline. Um, but, you know, we, we do want to get the word out to everybody possible to, to let them know that, you know, the case has been settled, that the claims process is open. You can go to block1-settlement.com to get um, information. Um, you could also ask me any questions. I'm in uh, three of the different EOS. Um, Telegram channels and on Twitter, uh, username is James K O U T O U L A S, all one word. Um, but yeah, this has been you know years of work. Uh, you know, we were hoping we this is the case we could take um, all the way to trial. There were you know a couple uh, wrinkles in it, which which led the um, plaintiff to accept the the settlement, um, which I can't can't really get into until after um you know we get court approval but uh um you know we do think that this is is a good avenue of recovery for u.s customers and uh we are also trying to coordinate with the eos uh foundation and their council uh to see if if uh we could be of help with with what they're planning on doing and what looks to be a non-U.S. jurisdiction and want to help maximize the recoveries for, for any purchasers of uh, EOS um, in those first three years.
0: All right. So, and this is only available to U.S. residents to be clear for everyone.
10: Uh, It's U.S. residents or, um, there is a carve-out for certain U.S. transactions that were verified by EOS block producers uh, within the U.S.
0: Well, I don't... I'm not, I'm not too sure what that means,
10: but... Um... B- basically, you got to prove that the transaction was completed in the U.S. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a U.S. citizen, um but if you have a situation where at the time of the purchase both the purchaser and seller were in the US or um
0: the transaction was confirmed by a, a block producer a located block in
10: the US exactly so their right. con-
0: trans- transaction was confirmed by EOS Nation block producer which is based in Canada does not qualify but if it's another one in the US would qualify interesting mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, and then the other important part here to mention, I think, is what the implications are of you know uh, claiming through this class action compared to joining the other uh, class action that is currently being organized by the ENF that we've talked about on the Fireside previously. Does claiming yes. one
10: restrict you from joining the other? So it does if... Um if the claims made are the same, right? So if you've got a U.S. transaction um, and the ENF winds up filing a non-U.S. case, um, you know it's very unlikely that your claim, uh, you know, that you would have an option to, per- to participate in the non-U.S. case, right? Um, you know, the the EOS Foundation has not yet like filed a suit or come up with a complaint. Um, so I can't definitively, um, you know, say what they are going to file. But in my conversation with them, um, it does seem that whatever claims they bring are, are going to be outside the, U- the U.S. So that would be separate um, mm-hmm. from the. Hey, James, it's Eve. Yeah. Um, hey.
9: there, so, yeah, <laughs> so we, we met James last week, uh, got on a call and, and just tried to get to see kind of where there's overlap, where there's potential distinction, where there's potential collaboration and such. On that front, um, I guess two things. So one, you were talking about the location of the block producers before. Um, That's gonna be interesting because are you talking about the physical person? Are you talking about the legal entity? Are you talking about the node itself? That's going to change, I think. So I don't know if there's clarification or that you can provide clarification right now. So, for example, a block producer could have people located in a country. Their nodes are running on AWS, but in another country or infrastructure that they rent in another country. And then they can be incorporated in a third jurisdiction as well. So which one of the three is the one that you're looking at?
10: So that is not clear in the claim um, or in the notice. Um, so, if you are in a situation where you want to make the case to make a claim, um, I would argue as such, right? Like if whatever criteria fit your U.S. claim, I would argue that that is not explicitly set out by the claims processing agent. Um, you know, which is separate from us, us lawyers, right? Like we're here, you know, to advise, get the best settlement we can, help people um you know with claims where they're processed um independently by the by a claims administrator
9: yeah so i guess for context for most people listening the majority of the block producers um whether you look at it from one of the three points i just mentioned either physical location node location or incorporation location very few of them were in the u.s so it actually doesn't it really doesn't, that's likely not your entry point. Um, It is possible, but that's likely not your entry point. Um, The other thing to bring up, based on what you mentioned, James, is um, uh, your class action currently has five claims, correct? Five claims that you're making, uh, that I guess block one did not uh, fulfill X, Y, Z or whatever. Um, So there is an overlap of claims likely. And so to clarify a bit for for people, it is. Um, l- more likely than not that, that you cannot participate in both. And so if you participate in one, you're excluding yourself from the other. Um, at the same time, it's also highly likely that if you don't opt out of uh, the current one, you are being captured by it without even perhaps knowing. So you are excluding yourself of another by not opting out should you go that path. That decision, though, really falls upon a, a personal decision one by one, uh, as a token holder, uh, what what is best for you. So it's not something that I can advise. Uh, but it's it's more complicated than than um, than uh, than that. So there's the jurisdictional issues, there's the timing issues, there's the, the claims and the overlapping claims. Um, there are multiple different factors at play here when people make their decision as to whether or not they want to participate in one or the other or whether or not they're even eligible for one or the other.
10: Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, one thing I think a lot of people don't realize in class actions is you are opted in by default, even if you're not aware of the class action. Um, so, the claims processing agents have, have been running ads and um, you know sending notices out as as many ways as they could think of. Um, you know, crypto is a lot different than a typical, securities class action. If you had a class action against Apple, Apple has a register of every shareholder of a given date, um, has their emails. Like you know, there's all sorts of information um, that, that's known by a, you know traditional company that you don't know due to the anonymity um, of the blockchain. Like you can't just send a DM to someone's wallet address, for example, right? Um, So, you know, I've been trying to get the word out as much as possible on uh, Telegram, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, et cetera, so that people are aware of this. But um, if you did have any transactions between uh, mid-2017 and and mid-2020 with U.S. Nexus, um, you know, with, uh, you know, the exchanges that are listed um, or any other criteria of the class, you do need to make a decision Um, either file a claim or opt out, you know, so it would be very helpful. I think if uh, ENF council gets like a draft complaint, at least, you know, ready before the August 30th uh, deadline, um, you know, for filing, um, you know, so that people can evaluate um, whether they want to file a claim for this 22 million U S transaction related pool Um, or if they want to file an opt-out, you know, try to join, um, you know, that yet-to-be-filed class action.
9: Or just to opting out as well. So there's also the opt-out component. If if you opt out, you could potentially join neither, assuming that the ENF1 is filed uh, before then, for example. Um, And that that in itself creates a new class that block one wants to negotiate with. Um, That is also another legal strategy that uh, we've seen um, a firm uh, nemesis is encouraging people to opt out because they believe they'll be able to get at the negotiation table with block one to get a higher amount uh, for those that opt out than those that essentially opt, well, not opt in, but send in their information. So there's really three different potential venues here for token holders to uh, ascertain. And we know in our community, um, particularly challenging is that we're having this discussion in English. We're having this right now during uh, Western hours, but a large, uh, the, the largest uh, communities and the largest token holders are by far in, in Asia. Uh, and so that's going to be a tricky part as well. As James mentioned, you are automatically in unless you opt out and you can't use um, to the best of, of the work that we've done as well um, in the research we've done you can't use uh, uh, what would be the term uh, not knowing
10: ignorance of
9: it ignorance as 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 a means right so you do have to make a decision essentially or that decision is being made for you um, and obviously that's what block one wants right so they want it to be as wide as possible in what that the the, the the class essentially um uh who was in that class because they want to just do this once and be over with um and so they want that to be all inclusive as much as possible
10: yeah and, and and so doing nothing is like the worst of all worlds because you're giving up legal rights but then you're barred from receiving any settlement so like you can't get a yes. settlement unless you actually file a claim um, you know, so anybody who transacted through the US, you should absolutely at least go to the website, which is block one settlementcom review the FAQs, look at your transactions, um, and, and decide either to make a claim or opt out. Mm.
9: Uh, and there's a, somebody in the channel, Chumbot, you're, uh, you're you're bringing one correction. Correct. So obviously only if you're qualified for that class? Are you automatically in that class? And then you give an example. So if you're in Asia and you bought from an Asian exchange, it's actually not that simple. um, Because for example, you could have been in Asia, but bought through the ICO. Um, And so you're in Asia, but you bought through the ICO. And so you're actually trigger being part of the class uh, because you bought essentially directly from block one. Um, and then it's even more complicated than that. A lot of people in Asia bought through conglomerates. The conglomerates were buying, let's say, 100 to $150 million worth of EOS. And then they were reselling it at um, uh, uh, basically within their respective jurisdiction. And so there's still some uncertainty as to whether or not uh, that is the conglomerate part of the class, is the end user part of the class. We're still not sure on that front yet. So it's, it's really not that simple. And does this a, a, qualify for non-Americans? Or Correct, because it, it doesn't a, have to do with whether or not you're an American.
10: Yeah, it, it, it's all about where the per- transaction occurred. Yeah, you know, so, so right. there's a whole list of exchanges. Um, so like Coinbase, Segomi, Routefire, Paradex, Coinbase Pro, GDAX, Kraken, Poloniex, Bittrex, Binance US, Genesis, Cumberland, SEX US, Gemini, Radar Relay, CoinFlip, um, or its purchase of either the ERC20 or the EOS, um, where both purchaser and seller were in the US at the time of purchase, or ERC20. Um, purchased direct from block one uh, during the ICO um, or, uh, verif- or EOS tokens uh, verified by EOS block uh, producers located within the US. So if you, you are in the class, if any of those um, apply to you, or at least those tokens more precisely um, are in the class. Um you know, so you're gonna want to either make a claim or opt out um you know for any of those tokens.
0: And you're gonna opt out on that same website? Yeah.
10: All right. We have any more questions now. If you think of anything later, just you could DM me on Telegram or Twitter.
0: Uh, Rob Rigo has a question here in the chat. Let's see. He says, does the $22 million class action settlement dictate dictates that you have to demonstrate realized slash unrealized losses? So even if I bought in the ICO and sold the EOS later for a higher price, participating will come out to zero awarded?
10: Yeah, you, you have to actually have losses. But it, realized or... You, unrealized yeah, the language there is an FAQ number four when it says quote and word damaged thereby so if you made money um, you know transactions with
0: the time frame for these transactions
10: um, it's the specific date is June 26 2017 through May eighteenth,
0: 2020. So if you bought EOS and then sold out a loss through those exchanges during that time period, you're eligible for a claim.
9: And if you're psychologically damaged by EOS Rubrigo, maybe take your, um, uh, your, your, whatever the, the bills that you have for your psychologist and submit those. Yeah, I should go James, get one James will refund that one personally.
10: Don't no comment.
9: <laughs>
10: All right. Um, thanks, James. <clears throat> any, any other, other questions, questions from the like,
3: crowd? Maybe, maybe I missed this. <clears throat> I'm not sure. This is Lovejoy. Um, so is there a scenario potentially where um, someone could opt in to the first class and then because there is not overlap, um could also there will be, likely be overlap. second class. There would likely no, be.
9: No, there there's based on the five claims that they're making, there there is at least one claim that will be an overlap. I see, I see. Okay.
10: Yeah, I mean, where where you could potentially be in both is if you had some some purchases that are US and some purchases that are not US.
3: I see. Okay.
1: We have you on here. Would you be interested in telling us the story of how you served Block One with this uh, lawsuit?
10: <laughs> Pretty good story. Um, uh, how can I refuse? Uh, so yeah, we had a profit, uh, a um, process server, um, you know, big Jack dude in a weed hat uh, showed up to the um, the Brock Pierce uh, presidential. Uh, headquarters opening party uh, and and handed Brock the papers while he was holding a pair of giant scissors. Which um, one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen was someone saying, uh, Brock, papers, scissors, uh, papers win.
3: Classic. That's what
10: Good legal humor
0: today I hope on this the Wednesday. Papers win. A lot.
10: Yeah, I mean, on, honestly, like I would like to see them held accountable for all four billion, uh, you know, raised in the ICO. Um, you know, there's a couple, you know, procedural issues that that make that I think you know very difficult. But um, you know, I'm I'm happy to help uh, as much as possible with with what you guys are planning uh, in non U.S. jurisdictions.
5: I've got a question, Stefan. Uh, I didn't catch your first name, uh, sir. Uh,
10: mine is James.
5: Hi, James. My name is Perry. Hi. Uh,
10: Perry.
5: I've got a question about the any depositions of, let's say, for example, Dan Larimer and NDAs. Are you going to be able to pierce NDAs and find out, not just Dan, but from Block One, to find out? happened uh, in in the decisions to decide where to spend the money
10: so in, in our case uh, the lead plaintiff chose to accept a settlement offer ahead of discovery so we were not able to conduct any discovery um, so you know that's that's kind of a moot in our, our case our case you know basically went on for you know two years of procedural um, you know motions and briefing and, and, and whatnot and then uh, uh, you know they they made the settlement offer to us um, and then it was accepted so we did not get to do, do discovery
5: in your in your world would you cons- would you think that your peers, Would consider twenty-two million out of four billion a win? Well, so the twenty-two million is
10: a very limited subset of the four billion, right? It's it's limited to you know specific claim amounts. So, from what we've been seeing in talking to U.S. purchasers, um, you know, we do expect that uh, uh, recovery should be very high uh, for the people who do fit in the class
5: meaning they'll they'll get a lot of money for how much they lost but 22 million out of 4 billion i don't know it seems i i don't i don't have a lot of experience in that in that area
10: uh, yeah well so that's because the, the vast majority of those um, of that 4 billion was raised outside of the US and in the US we we were limited to these US nexus um, transactions, um, and then there's also some very large, um, you know, U.S. buyers who are factored in, um, you know, to our initial calculations of, of how big the U.S. pool was, but who have said that they do not want to file any claims because, um, you know, of various reasons. But like they will not be, you know, partaking in the settlement pool. Um, you know, so, so that's why, you know, based on what we've seen, and look, a flood of claims could come in on the last day of people that, that we, you know, don't know about or that we haven't spoken to, um, but, you know, we, we are expecting a pretty um, pretty high recovery for, for people who do file, um, you know, based on on some of these large purchasers indicating that they are not going to file.
5: Do you see any of the other claims, uh, any of the any of the other lawsuits going to a place where they would be piercing NDAs and asking those hard questions where the money did go?
10: Um, you know, different jurisdictions have you know have different rules. Um, I mean, honestly, I think a lot, where a lot of the money went is is pretty well known, right? I mean, they basically bought 185,000 Bitcoin um, you know, for for the benefit of block one and their principles. Right, and then, then much of that has found its way into bullish.
5: Exactly, exactly. Okay, thanks James.
10: You're very welcome.
0: All right. And the deadline to file this uh, opting out or a claim is August 30th. Did I get that right?
10: So the opt out deadline is actually August 29th. And then the claim deadline is August 30th. All
0: right. So just over a month to do this. Okay. Good to know about these things for sure. Any other questions from the crowd while we've got James on here? Well, thanks for joining us, and um, yeah, if people have questions, they can reach out on the socials as as you mentioned, and I posted them in the chat as well. Perfect. Thanks, everybody. All right, bye, James. Okay, moving on to a couple of quick quick topics before talking to some more guests. Chintai had a AMA earlier this morning. If you want uh, sorry yeah the nama on twitter spaces so if you want to listen to that i shared the link below it's actually shared from uh philip's personal account at hamnet philip so you can check that out if you want to learn more about what's going on with chintai they came on the far side a month or two ago with some up, exciting updates so looking forward for those real world asset tokenization platform to launch Uh, And then another quick update from DeFi Box. It's their third anniversary right now. Looks like these tweets don't show previews anymore on Discord. Very annoying, Elon. Why are you doing that to us? Um, So there's some promotions going on on DeFi Box for their anniversary. Uh, You can do a state B USDT, participate in USN plus USDT mining, enjoy some boosted yields. Deposit box and win some uh, box rewards and uh, some giveaways and some airdrops to check out. Uh, check that out if you're a user of DeFi Box. Alright, our next guest on the show today. I'd like to invite June Dam to talk to us about EOS.deboard.ai. June, oh, I see your server muted. Let me unserver mute you, that might help. There you go, June. Are you with us right now?
11: Hey, Stefan. can you hear me?
0: Hey, yeah, uh, we can hear you. Welcome to the far side.
11: Hey, thanks for uh, the invite. Uh, yeah, for those that don't know me, I'm June Dan, and uh, mainly working on Big Cash and EOS Wallet and P two P Crypto On Ramp. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, we launched the MVP of Dboard uh, for EOS token holders. And invited a handful of people, and I just want to thank the Pamela platform and all the donors for making it happen. And after uh, I forget which seasons we ran, but you know, we we finally launched the MVP. So, uh, you know, looking for feedback and people to check it out. It's uh, eos. Feel free to log in with Anchor and check it out. Um, I could give you a little background on Dboard. It's uh, It's a tool for DAOs with cryptocurrencies. You know, we have a new money, we have new financial infrastructure with DeFi. Uh, But DAOs are, I think, the next killer app in our our space. And I believe uh, D-Board's the missing piece. Uh, If you participate in the EOS network or if you just have a a, a working on a DAP or or DeFi or NFT project, you could, I'm sure you're either using a, a, a DAO or you want to use one in this space so i so I think this could be very valuable for you uh organizing human activity remains our greatest challenge I, I think a lot of DAOs are disorganized even dysfunctional uh, we have a very rudimentary type worker proposal systems so um and you know essentially a lot of times you can propose any activity or project with very little engagement or iteration on the proposals. There's there's not really a, uh, a strategy oftentimes with these uh, that you could create with these worker proposal tools. Uh, it's either yes or no, and you vote, and that's it. So the D board changes that. It allows people to share their ideas, starting from a discussion forum, collaborate, uh, brainstorm, and then. Uh, make proposals and debate them and and have a process for amendments so you could iterate refine proposals before they get voted on uh, we have uh, the pre pre-vote stage or phase that is just really just uh, pre-vetting proposals uh, and then after it passes that we'll we'll have a final vote phase so there's it, there's just a process it's five stages but it goes from discussion to action and i think that process is incredibly important to to make organization efficient and just help people um collaborate and organize so um let me see yeah so that that's pretty much the idea we we launched it and it's it's you can just think of it as a grassroots eos stakeholder DAO. i mean we could could maybe discuss you know what the state of governance on eos is but uh, essentially i think we can create this Grassroots EOS DAO, just based on people who have one token, a hundred tokens, a thousand, even a million, whatever it is, just have a place to discuss uh, a lot of the activity on the network, uh, just propose resolutions. Uh, and even if it's just symbolic in the beginning, I think over time we can eventually be an influential voting block within the EOS community. So, um, So I think. Uh, using this tool will uh, create a lot of transparency, a lot of, um, I think we could bring a lot of underrepresented DAP developers or community organizers together and just grow organically. So I encourage uh, people to check out uh, eos.deboard.ai and just post an idea, start with conversation on a topic that's important. Um, this anything dealing with the eos network we're starting with eos it's out there for everyone to kind of make what they want of this uh and uh yeah and we're we're happy to kind of just uh, keep improving and iterating on this tool for people uh, we plan to use it with bitcash we also will have a dboard organization that uses dboard so uh i think i'm excited about just just improving it uh, as we go and uh so yeah just use your anchor account, go to eos.deboard.ai and hope you guys participate. Thanks for those uh, limited invites that I, I've passed around for those uh, who actually posted or at least made a comment on it so far but uh, but yeah, we're looking for just you know this, the, the few people to kind of get something going to kind of make it make it their own and be happy to uh, kind of grow together with them uh, as we uh, build out uh, DeBoard. Um, any questions? I'd be happy to answer questions you guys have.
0: Uh, yeah, thanks for that presentation. I just hopped on, logged in for the first time here while you were while you were talking to try it out. Everything worked out smoothly. I upvoted a comment in the EOS needs meme coin threads saying Froggy Swap should have been called Pepe Swap. Nice one. Got enough vote from me, and then I posted. So all of these things are being tracked on chain from my account. That's right.
11: Yeah. Well, so the discussion is is, is not really our, our focus uh, of what's on chain is are the proposals and the voting. Oh, I see. The, so so the discussion is off chain, and um, but you know really. But it's
0: using my EOS account name as username to post. Yeah, exactly.
11: Exactly. Okay. So you need you need to you need to have uh yeah an EOS token to participate, uh, log in, and then also vote, of course. So yeah, whatever you know, it's it's just based on stake. So we started with the EOS token, but if you have your own app, you can just uh, uh you can just configure one token as the as as kind of representative of your organization, and then you can do the same activities. Uh, for those that have this token, you could li- implement one token, one vote as well. It's just uh, you would the easiest way to do that is for each member they'll have some some token that represents uh, you know their unique identity. So if you're if, for example, if you want to use it for Eden, a, a, anyone with the Eden NFT could get this this token that we, you use as a proxy for uh, you know a member of this organization, and then you can easily use that token to vote as well. So um so so yeah nonprofit organizations membership organizations uh, will eventually be able to use this um the same way um but but yeah we're we're focused more on the stake based uh mechanics for now since most blockchain projects are stake based so yeah excited if you guys check it out it's again it's Ai, and uh just you know feel free to just um, participate, just you know, throw some um, comments or questions in there. Uh, any topic of interest on EOS. Hopefully, you know, this is just you know, we're just starting from scratch and just trying to build a state-based EOS community. Down, we'll we'll see how it how it goes. But one other thing too with the the dot AI, <laughs> it's like everything that I'm kind of doing is kind of uh, you know AI first or implementing and using AIs, and I think even governance is going to you know we're going to be able to uh really uh yeah like be super efficient and and use ai to to even help us with governance so you can imagine proposals generated by ai and even your comments and these these tools are incredible these days so uh so eventually we're we're going to implement that down the road so but we want to get the basics uh we want to get the basics um, first. And then, you know, I, I could just imagine, I think one of the, the problems with governance is just apathy. People, it takes time to, to participate. And you imagine with the technology we have, uh, number one, once you have the right tools, it'll make it more efficient. Later on it, with AI tools, I mean, you could just imagine just, just a few clicks and you could <laughs> generate things that, um, uh, you, you know, it would take hours to, to, to come up with. And, I feel that that's going to really help engagement and activity on on uh, governance as well as everything else. So, um, yeah, uh, hopefully you guys participate and, and please check it out.
0: All right. Thanks, June, for the update. Thanks for coming, from, from, uh, thanks for coming on the far side. And, uh, yeah, see you on the board. Thanks a lot, Stefan. Uh, have, have a great day. All right, you too. Okay, moving on to our final guests of the show, a bit later than I had anticipated, but here we go. Eden Creators has a new CMO. And so at this point, I'd like to invite Rosemarie onto the stage and talk to us about uh, some of the projects that she's been working on recently.
12: Thanks, Stefan, and hey, everyone. Thanks for the invite, first of all, um, and hope everyone's having a good day or night wherever you are in the world. And in case you don't know me, uh, I'm Rosemary. I'm the new Chief Marketing Officer at Eden Creators and also a host of Community Stories Podcast, which I'm going to share more about later. So, a bit about me, I'm going to uh, talk about just an intro to me. <laughs> Uh, then, my work at Incrazers, experience experience so far in the EOS and Eden Fractal community, and then uh, intro to Community Stories podcast. And then uh, we'll hear from the first two guests on Community Stories actually, Dancing Joy and Douglas, aka Gudoso. So, with that, I'm gonna start just telling you a bit more about me. So, I joined Web3 and the EOS community through Eden Fractal. That happened quite recently, uh, like four months ago, and uh, that actually has changed my life, so <laughs> who invited me was Douglas, in February. That happened in Mexico, actually, we were on a trip, and then I met him, and so he told me about Infracto, and how amazing he is, and I joined. and it's been an amazing experience so far. Uh, it's just fascinating to see consensus games, and just the way that people reach consensus in a timely manner and that is all filmed and produced and it's kind of free and available for everyone to watch. Really, it's like a show. So um, that gives a great example of the centralized community and it was just something that I was just, was not aware of, <laughs> but I was actually in search of. So that really inspired me to just dig into it and just continue joining. So I actually haven't really missed many meetings since then. My background is in marketing, and I've worked in a kind of large tech company too, so that kind of added to the whole vibe of um, Web3 and the innovations that go along with it. And I just stuck, so here I am. I'm appointed as the Chief Marketing Officer at LinkedIn Creators. It's been a month and a half now. And I've been working alongside Dan Singh Joy and I'm doing a variety of projects, such as video production. Uh, I've been co-hosting uh, different shows, like, for example, Fractal Apple episodes, where we uh, sing and do fun stuff, and also encourage people to donate to Pomelo Grants and just in general create more public goods. Um, it's been amazing, and just sharing all those experiences with everyone, even on this call, it's just great and. I feel very good to be speaking here. So thanks again for giving the opportunity. Um, You're probably gonna be seeing more of Ian Fracto coming up, uh, such as tweets and just different social media outreach. As well as the podcast that I just mentioned, I'm gonna talk about just a bit more. I'm gonna also provide links to everything that I'm talking about in the chat after, so you can have a look. Uh, in general, also, I wanted to talk about my experience so far in the EOS community. Um, I've—it's been great. Uh, it's a learning curve, so everything comes and goes, you know. And it's—it's it's just a fast pacing environment, and that's what I like. I've attended even EOS working groups. Uh, I've attended the media in the most, but I think those are really helpful for people to collaborate and. Uh, just introducing yourself to people who have this a similar or different perspectives is just key and It's a it's a way that people can communicate freely uh, Another thing is pomelo. It really inspired me to create more public goods, such as the podcast. I Really thoroughly start to enjoy pitching and just being on search platforms and just enjoying life really and meeting people in the community. And I just feel like I'm part of something special. Um, so yeah, no, and not to forget the Eden Fractal. It's been uh, one of the best experiences so far. It's like a show um, that's just ongoing. And the social games that we play, for example, the anniversary that just happened uh, like a month ago, it's the one year anniversary of Eden Fractal. Where we played games like Fracto DJ and speeches, where we ranked um, each other's performance on <laughs> songs and also speeches about how In Fracto changed our life, really, and what we've um, what we've got from it. And one of the things that I wanted to do, you know, as part of kind of my vision for it, is to create and, and spread out the word more. And that's why I created community stories that podcast. It's an innovative show where we explore perspectives about communities, social structures, and way more. And in this latest episode with Guduso, we discussed growth on Aquadec. Um, And if you don't know what Aquadec is, it's a social club, which is hosted by Guduso himself. And that's where uh, participants are challenged to achieve personal goals by playing Fractal Consensus Games inspired by Eden Fractal. And it's something that I've been participating in and it's just a whole nother experience itself and I invite everyone to join. I'll provide a link about that too. We also talk in the episode, we talk about the fractally systems, for example, Gen- Genesis Fractal and um kind of an overview of Godosov's experience there, like what worked, what didn't work, uh, kind of scooping out the best part of the cream with just putting things together and making it work more effectively in the end. And he shared, he he also talks about CXC and Tetra, which uh, he would also provide more details on Tetra just after me. And it's just, Uh, An episode that I think I laughed a lot and I invite everyone to check out and with that um, I just want to thank everyone for for their time and I'm gonna pass it on to uh, Dan who's gonna provide more color on everything that I've I've said and then we can hear more about uh, from Douglas after but Again, I want to invite everyone to check out the episode in in, uh, in in community stories, and which is in the Eden Creators YouTube channel, and also follow Eden Creators YouTube channel and Twitter accounts like Rosemary Digital and Eden Creators. And again, thanks for everyone. Time, bye.
0: All right. Thanks right. Rosemary for that nice personal testimony. Oh, there we go. Dan is joining. How are you doing, Dan? <laughs> I'm
6: doing good. Thank you very much. Stefan. How are you doing? Good. Doing Good. Welcome again to the fireside. What's going on with That's you? It. Thank you very much. Uh, well, yeah, I just wanted to, uh, just share a little bit, uh, and thanks Rosemary. Um, it's been a huge honor and a pleasure working with Rosemary and, uh, yeah, she said a lot there, so I'll be pretty quick here. And I think Goudisol is coming on next, too, and he's going to share a bit about Aqueduct and uh, about um, Tetra, as Rosemary was saying. I encourage everybody to watch the interviews, too. So uh, I shared the link before and perhaps Rosemary will share it again for the interview that she did with Douglas Goudisol. Um It's fascinating. It's really awesome. I've also been producing the Aqueduct, too. So I encourage people to join the Aqueduct meetings every Tuesday, as well as the Eden Fractal meetings that we've been doing every Wednesday that we've spoken a lot about here. Um, is doing an amazing job pioneering uh, and leading a community there. They're really fun meetings. He's starting to post videos and share all sorts of cool stuff that you can see in that article that link that Rosemary put together. Uh, and yeah, it, it's been uh super cool working with Gudasol, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about the Tetra app as well. Um, and then also, yeah, I want to thank the Rosemary too. I think. If people haven't watched our previous episode, she mentioned the fractal episode, which I share above, but we have another fractal episode coming up soon. Where we're aiming to do it this week. And uh, well, Rosemary, I don't know if she mentioned, but she's also a fantastic musician, too. So we're going to play the music together as well as promote all the great things we've been doing together at Eden Creators and Eden Fractal and AquaDuck and the EOS community as a whole and help people make public goods. And also, if people hadn't seen it, uh, another thing that I'll link here is the first interview of the Community Stories podcast that you do with me. So it was a huge honor being the first guest on Rosemary's podcast. It's awesome how it's full circle, how Douglas invited Rosemary to the community, uh, and we met at Eden Fractal. And then the first two podcast guests happened to be myself and Gudisol, and then we'll hear Gudisol. So really cool. And I just want to basically just uh, say, thank you for everybody for uh for being here at the eos community and thank you for rosemary for sharing that it's really inspiring and it's been amazing working with rosemary um over the full time especially over the past month and a half we've been working together really closely um and as she mentioned uh well she mentioned some of the things she's been helping out with like video production um and 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 outreach for social media and so forth basically what we are with eden creators and eden fractal um i've been hosting the Fractal meetings and a bunch of great builders there and i've been been really most of building in creators on my own for the past two years or so, two and a half years, maybe now. Uh, and we have a lot of amazing games and shows and tools that we've been building. And what we really need to do is we really need to help get the word out and we need people who are great speakers and can share the fun and amazing parts of what we're doing, uh, and present in a way that can help people understand and help people enjoy the benefits of these. And so Rosemary is really the perfect person. It's like a huge time to amazing experience. Thank you so much uh, for inviting her to, to the community in the first place. Uh, and I look forward to everybody getting the chance to meet Rosemary more. Uh, but yeah, she's really the perfect person to help, and it's been profoundly helpful working with her uh, so far, and I'm stoked to share everything that we're working on at Eden Creators with the community, we'll be sharing lots more coming soon, so as she said, uh, subscribe, I'll also share uh, her Twitter account too, I don't, know if, I don't know if she shared it, but I encourage everybody to follow Rosemary as well as Eden Creators. Uh, to check out more, and then yeah, already in the past week, I was, I was a little bit behind uh, over the past few months because so much going on with innovations at Eden Fractal. But she's been doing amazing work already with video editing, and we have a lot of our best uh, like our best shows. We're getting together show notes for each episode, cool thumbnails, and great art. Uh, and we're also catching up with NFTs and all sorts of new innovations that we're bringing. Um, and then we're planning out new things like newsletters and more social media outreach and so forth, as she mentioned before. So really looking forward to taking what we have at Eden Creators, Eden Factory, we've been building and expanding with uh, communities like Aquedac and bringing it to mainstream audiences to be able to help all communities enjoy the benefits of EOS and enjoy these uh, great processes and social games and so forth. Um, and eventually, we want to also scale it up. So, one of the things we're working on is scaling up our, uh, like, scaling up for future growth of community team. So, uh, with me and are working together, we're looking to both uh, build up like our workflows, working a lot with the software called Notion, uh, which is really helpful to like scale it up so we can bring on many more people on the team in the future and also raise more funds and build businesses around it. So we can help people enjoy these games as much as possible. Um, So just wanted to put that out there that we have a lot of amazing things coming. And I encourage everybody to check out Rosemary's work, uh, her podcast. uh, She's got some great podcasts lined up too for the feature checkout, but check out the community stories episodes. That she did and look out for the fractal apple episode that we're aiming to do in the next week and i suppose with that i can say uh thank you very much stefan for having us on once again and thank you to everybody for listening Uh huge shout out and thanks to rest marie and also a big thanks to gudasol and looking forward to hearing from gudasol about aqua deck and tetra and thanks so much to for hosting aqua deck. i can pass it back to uh Safant now if you want to add anything or i can pass it over to gudasol because he's got some exciting updates for us as well thank you very much
0: all right. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, let's uh, hear from Gudisol. Uh, hello. hello. There we go. Can you welcome. Hear me? Yeah, welcome to the fireside.
7: All right. Thank you so much, Dan, and also a big thank you to Dan. Uh, he really created the fractally and
0: uh, but the alien was, Oh, you're cutting uh, out pretty badly but there's a spanish-speaking practice okay i can you hear me yeah i don't know i think it's cutting out if this can you hear me now i don't know if it's gonna work yeah can you hear me potentially yeah
7: okay means. i just switched to i just switched the cellular so i oh, should be you go. good now
0: there we go yeah now you're coming in clear perfect stuff.
7: awesome so i want to say yeah thanks to dan for being that bridge from the fractally into my project as well as her, um, other fractals and it's been a really great social experience a social experiment and uh, as Rosemary mentioned I see it as we're here to create as much foam as we can and then scoop out like the very best and then that very best has the potential to change the world and change how people connect so, um, I'll talk a little bit about AquaDAC and then I'll jump into talking about Tetra, which is really exciting and, and really revolutionary. Uh, but first, AquaDAC. So, whenever I was in Fractally, I did a lot of work and I thought I was doing what I was supposed to. Um, I basically, I built a testnet token, I built the pools as they were described in the white paper, and then, you know, nothing happened because there's no sort of leadership to say, oh, this is good, or this is what we're doing, and there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. So instead of getting, like, upset, I tried to say, okay, well, what was my real motivation here to, for, for doing this, and how can we use it to improve people's lives? Um, In addition to being a programmer, I'm also a mystic, and I have a school of consciousness that I founded in 2016, Aquarius.Academy, and we love to explore the idea of collective consciousness, but I felt like in Fractally, what was missing is all the effort that I did was never really brought into the collective, so I thought, well, what if I was doing all that work for myself? And we founded Aquadac under the concept that if we do have sort of an overarching collective idea that we're striving towards and then we empower each individual member we can not only benefit that member through the simple like motivation tactics of getting them to move forwards towards their goal but also experience that collectiveness where we sort of Uh, We we reach out with these invisible tendrils and we're drawn together because we see other people going towards their goals, and we develop these sort of natural conversations uh, that are beneficial to the entire group. So uh, we've been doing this for, I believe, we did 16 weeks so far, so about four months. Uh, We do three three three-month season or 12-week seasons and each season we have a different goal. So this goal is about connection, and my connection goal is to connect my different projects and connect them with each other, but more importantly, connect them with the outside world. So that's a perfect segue to tell you about Tetra. So what is Tetra? Tetra is a global economic system that will run the world in 10 years. We started with CXC.world, the Reddit on the map, in 2018 with limited upvotes per day, not per content. We invented music NFTs on the WAX blockchain or we published the first standard for EOS. And we have tokenized upvotes, but unfortunately they're 100% manual. So what we're doing with Tetra is we're creating an endorsement economy. And you can kind of think of this like a DAO, but the way it operates is you create three lists. And these lists are of creative, social, and commercial projects that you endorse in your area. And these also follow a three-month funding cycle. So at the end of that three-month funding cycle, you have deliverables. And these deliverables, you will have to report on a scale of zero to 100 how well you think your project met your deliverables. Then every person who has endorsed your project by putting you on their list we'll also have the opportunity to rate you on zero from 100. So we get this sort of accountability that's missing on a lot of the project funding uh, mechanisms that we have today. So who am I? Uh, I worked with Helios, and they sort of taught me how to pitch. I worked with a major metaverse company called Landian here in Medellin, and I have also was the 100th member of Eden, and I was very active in fractally I built and ran solo CXC.World, Machine Minds AI, Aquarius Academy, and MyHS.US. And I have had help on those projects since, but I did build them by myself. And now I'm asking for help from Tetra. So, the tech behind this, uh, we invented biomimetic tokenomics, we invented geo aware NFT standards, and I wrote the Web4 paper in 2020 talking about time back tokens, provable personhood, geosocial systems, and information entity. So what problem do we want to solve with Tetra? Well, the way I see it, the powerful enslave the powerless with money because of our debt-based system. We have things like lobbying and equal access to cheap capital. But in my heart of hearts, the absolute worst is the media fear machine, where ad, where ad dollars create a clickbait society and the news media uses our fear, our survival instincts to show us people killing people, not helping people. And that's not cool. So I developed a system where local consensus allows us to endorse or ignore the project in our local area first. So the cream of the crop rises to the top and the boring gets buried. Our opportunity for investors or like our economic opportunity is that it's better exposure, more targeted, more accessible, and more useful. So we've got a lot of traction going. Um, I see CXC as our MVP of this product, and that's how I'm sort of selling it, is like this is the evolution of CXC.world. Um, and with CXC, we have 6,000 token holders. We've had thousands of users on our apps. And we've been online for over four years. So what we're doing now is we're creating a new currency to make all this happen. We're creating RAW, the first local and time-backed currency. We have one global currency and we have individual national currencies, as well as we're going to launch currencies for individual states, as in, you know, the United States states and cities by demand. So this allows your economic contribution to have an impact on your local area first. It means that advertising dollars go into your local economy first and then bubble upward and outward. In order to make this happen, we're planning to work with the ENF. I have a grant that's about two weeks overdue from hearing back from the ENF whether or not we're approved or not, and then we're working with a social whitelisting procedure, and in 2024, I'm going to create a mock U.S. election map where you have to basically register for the system, and then you can like vote for the president on chain so there's some sort of provability, but it is just a mock election map. And then in 2028, I'll be running for president of the United States under a new political party with these ideas central to Tetra of building up our community and creating a endorsement, a truth that bubbles out from the individual to the community and from the community to the nation and beyond. So Did we just get on the first presidential announcement on
0: the Fireside? Is that what I heard correctly? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but... uh, nice, uh, nice intro, nice uh, recap of all the things you've been working on. Sounds like you've been pretty busy. Uh, definitely love the passion uh, that you and Dan and Rosemary are bringing uh, to, uh, to your projects and, and to the Fireside right now. Uh, But it sounds like you were about to continue to uh, share, so go for it.
7: Sure. So uh, we're on WAX blockchain, Um, 700,000 daily active users, 23 million daily transactions. Um, Hopefully this audience already knows that. And right now uh, we're looking for a CEO. We're looking for a marketing lead. We're looking for a compliance officer. We're looking for UI and UX people. So if you want to be involved, please talk to me. Um, As well as we're currently doing our first round of funding. Um, I'm actually in about an hour, I'll be going to a pitching event, and this event is to prepare me for a blockchain conference on the 27th, where I will be presenting Tetra in the South American market um, at this blockchain conference called HashFest. It's hashfest.io. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing, that's what we're working on, and if you'd like to learn more, You can go to bit.ly slash tetraslides where I have the pitch deck. Um, but yeah, we're, we're still in the beginning phases and I'm trying to do it better than I did with CXC because with CXC, I basically, I built the whole app before I, I raised any funds and that like wasn't sustainable. So now I'm trying to actually raise funds and, you know, get the right people at the table. I have one full-time employee now, um, So that's where we're at. I'd love to have any sort of connections, anybody that feels really motivated to create real change, to create this app that can revolutionize not only currency, not only project management, but how we look at each other as humans. And that's all I got. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk.
0: All right. Thanks, Douglas, for joining us on the far side. And uh, good luck with your projects, your fundraising, your recruiting. Uh, Definitely a couple people have found jobs on the fireside in the past. So maybe it'll happen again. Um, Okay. At this point, yeah, absolutely. At this point, that kind of covers all the topics we had lined up for today. If anyone else has some extra topics they wanted to bring up, feel free to do that right now. And the off-topic banter, now's the time before we wrap it up.
13: Yeah I have one topic. Um, We have a survey that we're circulating to BP's so if there's any um, block producers on this call, um, uh, an initiative that DNF is running right now is um, we are gathering data on the carbon emissions and energy consumption of the EOS network. Um, This is for both Um, marketing materials to sort of help spread awareness of how low energy consumption, you know, EOS is, but then also um, for an initiative to um, for the ENF to offset the carbon by the network. So um, if you'd like to take part in this survey, I'll drop a couple links. We've got both an English survey and a Chinese survey here. and uh, if you it's optional to fill this out, of course, and it's optional to um, uh, essentially uh, name what you be're building this out, um, but those that do will get included in um, you know future campaigns as having sort of helped contribute this efforts. So yeah, we're sure this will be circulated on a couple other calls around the community. And we just want to get people engaging with it and helping us to gather this information. Um, you know at the ENF we're here to, fund and support public goods so why not support the greatest public
0: all right thanks thanks Liam for bringing that up I think you cut out there at the end unless it was me
3: and to follow Mm -hmm. that up unless you wanted to add anything Liam Um, I will just say also your weekly reminder if you have a project running on EOS or EOS EVM please fill out the ecosystem form to get yourself included your project included on the ecosystem page at EOSnetwork.com I just dropped the link so give us your details
0: There you go. sounds like Dboard needs to fill out the form.
3: Heck yeah. We'll eventually add everybody, even if they don't submit, probably, if you've got a working application in the uh, ecosystem or any kind of project that is serving the EOS ecosystem. But much easier for us if you fill out the details so it just moves the way
6: <clears throat> thanks a lot joy i uh mean to fill that in for eating crazy and practical stuff like that and i'll do that as soon as possible um and i'm looking forward to more collaborations there um i also wanted this is dancing joy again by the way but i just wanted to read uh share one last thing on the thing i meant to mention before Before. Uh, Uh, i hear somebody saying something and then i go yes go for it okay sounds good uh cool it's like i'm in a a giant auditorium now with lots of reverb uh yeah i wanted to share um i don't think we shared the link before uh in case anybody wants to uh join uh even practical and meet uh people like Rose Marie and myself and many other builders there everybody's welcome to join on um, uh Wednesday the 1530 UTC, you're welcome to join for just a couple minutes here and there or uh stay for all the contents games and we have more details at Edenpractal.com. And we also just created new um, event pages as well. So we, we switched the, the the provider that we had for our event um, like like listing and email services like that. So if you'd like to get weekly reminders of the events and join and find the Zoom link game that, you can go to loo.ma and also, as an update, I'm not sure if I shared here, but uh, a couple of weeks ago or about five weeks ago after we started the Alien World Factor, I changed up the time of the Eden Town Hall. So it's every other Monday at 17 UTC. Uh, and then I also just shared the link to the loot.ma slash Eden Town Hall that everybody can join there. So I encourage you to uh, join those events uh, and come say hi. And that can be a great way if you want to uh, introduce yourself to me or Russ Marie or just share what you're working on. We love to feature everybody's work and we're actually just today at the Eden Fractal meeting discussing ways for better community agendas so people can propose different topics that they want to discuss Uh, so we'd love to hear from you Um, and just want to put out there and you can find more details at the links in the description or links in the chat rather thank you very much
0: All right. Thanks to all of the guests that joined us today. Thanks for everyone who joined out there. Last call to get your POP tokens before we close up the registration. That's in the POP bot chat in Discord. And yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for us today. Until next week, hope you guys staying cool, calm, and collected. And we'll be doing it again next week. All right. See ya, everyone. Let's go Eos! Go Go Eos.
8: Eos! Vamanos
3: Eos!